Hello everyone and welcome back to Allentown Presents. Uh, I'm here with Otis. Hey, how's it going? And we are still working on our March musical spotlight. Um, the musical we chose to do next is Hairspray. This is the 2007 film version of Hairspray starring Nikki Blonsky and Zac Efron and about 700 other famous people. And yeah, this movie is fucking great. <laughs> So, this movie came out July 20th, 2007. It runs approximately two hours, really close to it. It's rated PG, so it's good to watch with everyone in your family. And if you haven't seen the old movie, Hairspray, starring Ricky Lake from the 80s, no need to worry. This musical takes care of all the stuff that you would have gotten from that movie and conveniently packages it with a bunch of song and dance. So, the story of this is this chubby girl dreams of being a dancer. She's a really good dancer, she loves music, and there's this show, this variety show, similar to um, like the Mickey Mouse Club of the 90s. Uh, it's got a bunch of teenagers on it, and they show up every day after school, and they dance their hearts out, and they show you all these different dance moves. Because you know, in the 60s, every song had a dance associated with it. <laughs> so there's this group of teenagers who go and are on the show and it pr shows up every day after school. So Tracy's in love with this show. She watches it every day. And one of the girls on the show ends up having to take a leave of absence because she gets pregnant. <laughs> and they do open auditions and Tracy auditions and wants to be on the show. You know, trials and tribulations, they don't think she can be on it. A bunch of the people are mean to her because she's bigger and not a stick like everybody else. Which, you know, this, it's not as much of an issue anymore. Um, by today's standards, she's very much just an average size girl. Yeah. But back in the 60s, being big was really, really frowned upon and wasn't really accepted. So this movie, this musical and this movie really hit that head on. Their goal is to kind of take take away the stigma of being bigger and get rid of that and basically show that big people can do all the same stuff that skinny people can do. So she auditions. She doesn't get it at first. And then she gets detention for falling asleep in class, you know, like you do, and ends up in detention with all of the African-American kids. Negro kids. <laughs> yeah, with all the Negro kids. And they basically show her all of these really cool dance moves. And she falls in love with dancing with them and gets permission from them basically to go show those dance moves to Corny Collins, who hosts this show. So she goes back on one of these days where they have like an open... Just anyone can dance on the show day. And she does these dance moves and she gets selected to take that extra spot that was on the show. And she becomes the newest member of uh, the Corny Collins show, who is sponsored by a hairspray company called Ultra Clutch, which is hence the movie name Hairspray. So she gets on the show and the main girl or the girl who was the main girl of the show gets really upset and comes up with all these like weird schemes to make sure that she doesn't win Miss Teenage Hairspray and Tracy just doesn't really care about her at all. Her whole goal is to be 
just to dance and to have fun. And she really wants to bring um, integration into the spotlight. She wants the show to be integrated because at the start of the movie, um, the show is all white kids and they have one day a month called Negro Day where all of the black kids get to come on and dance. And the DJ is Queen Latifah as Motormouth Maybell. And they they dance to, what do they call it? Did they call it R&B? Or no, they called it Ooh. blues, soul? I can't Something remember. Like that, I can't yeah. remember what they called it. But they dance to quote unquote ethnic music on Negro Day. And that's the only day of the month that the colored people are allowed to be on the Corny Collins show, basically. So Tracy wants to get her friends onto the show. Like she wants to get rid of that stigma. Stop uh, splitting it up black and white. She wants everyone to be able to dance together. So at the start of the movie, it's about getting rid of the stigma of bigger people. And by the middle of the movie, it's about getting rid of racial stigmas mm -hmm. and integrating the show. And by the end of the movie, they accomplish all their dreams, basically. <laughs> you know, it's a musical, like most musicals, save for like Les Mis. Everyone ends up happy at the end, you know. All the, well, all the main characters end up happy. They get what they were going for. The show ends up getting integrated, and Tracy ends up being on the show and winning the competition. Or no, she doesn't win the competition, but she gets on the show, and she does really well, and, you know, she steals the main girl's boyfriend, basically, played by Zac Efron. So it's like a whole thing. So it's a really, really good movie. All the music is really, really catchy. Um, there isn't too many slow songs. It's mostly really fast-paced stuff because it is a sh movie about dance. And the choreography is great. If you have young kids at home, which I know many of you do right now because hashtag quarantine, I would suggest watching this movie with them. Even if you don't sit down and watch the whole two hours of it, show it to them in chunks. Like, here's twenty the first 20 minutes. Here's the next 20 minutes. Because... Even if they don't understand the, like, segregation aspect of it or the fact that, you know, the bigger girl was getting, you know, shit on, basically, by the main girl, they will enjoy the dance stuff and the, the way that the music is set up. It's fast-paced enough that they'll just be able to dance to all the music and get it out of their system. Yeah. And it is very bright and colorful, I would say, as far as musicals go. So there is a lot of things to look at, and I think that younger kids, or any kids really, would have a lot of fun watching this movie. So if you've, I mean, I know you've got the time. Let's be real, guys. So if you're going crazy, if your kids are driving you nuts, start watching Hairspray. It's on Netflix right now. And yeah, just dance it out with your kids, because it's really, really good. And if your kids are old enough, or have already started asking questions about segregation, because I know that that came up back in February, at least with the seven and eight year old that I watch, back in February when it was time to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the concept of segregation can be very overwhelming and very confusing to kids who yeah. have no concept of it. They've never had to deal with it. You know, I mean, even us, like we weren't necessary. We weren't involved in it. Well, I don't know if you were in down in the South. It's probably a little bit, little bit different. Fuck no. <laughs> well, not, not true segregation, but Intense racism, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, there's always moments of just fuckery like that. And that still kind of <laughs> happens now. But yes. no, nothing like what they do in all the movies that want to win Oscars, that kind of racism. Yeah, You none don't of see that. stuff like that. Yeah. So if your kids, you know, had questions around Martin Luther King Jr. Day about 
segregation what it was and you were kind of trying to explain it but you know couldn't really get the concept across I definitely suggest watching this movie with them and going through it as it's happening like explain why this song happen and explain why they protest in the middle of the movie and why they're doing this and why they're doing that and how it really affected the dynamic of both the entertainment side of it the corny collins show and the actual like school side of it how it affected them the kids in school being segregated in that way so yeah this is a really good fun musical and a chance to educate your children about segregation all right so here's some fun facts about this movie it took John Travolta four hours to put on the 30-pound fat suit and five gel-filled silicone face prosthetics to become Edna Turnblad. John Travolta plays the mom in this movie of Tracy Turnblad. And for anyone who hasn't seen the original, don't be upset because it's a boy. Like, it's supposed to be a boy. John Waters did this intentionally. He did it in the first one. Um, with Ricky Lake, it was played by Divine. Divine, who was a drag queen, and that was on purpose. It was meant to be someone over the top and ridiculous because that's how who John Waters is and how just how his mind works. Yeah. If you've never seen anything else by John Waters or not sure who John Waters is, Pink Flamingos. That's a ridiculous movie. Crybaby, yeah, <laughs> is John Waters. Um, pretty much anything that Ricky Lake did in the eighties slash very early nineties, that was John Waters because he put her in everything. And he's generally like a really weird dude, and he's kind of obsessed with the sixties and Baltimore. Like that's he grew up in Baltimore and he was obsessed with the sixties. So this is all of his. Movies kind of take place all around the same time. They all take place in Baltimore. Um, but he wanted the mom to be over the top. And he felt that a woman wouldn't play it as over the top as a man would, basically. Yeah, a man trying to play a woman being ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah. not It was not meant to be sexist at all in any way, shape, or form. It's just like, you know... More physical comedy was available to them. It was more acceptable, I guess, at the, yeah. in the 80s when he when the first movie came out. So they just kept with it and decided to cast a man as well in this one. Ooh, fun fact. Do you know who the husband was? Uh, Walter? Walter. Is that the dad? In the original? Yeah. Jerry Stiller, yeah. who plays Mr. Pinky. That's another one of my fun facts. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, a lot of the original cast... As many as are still around, mm -hmm. um, did end up making cameos in this movie. None of them played their original parts. They all played, because, you know, everyone's grown older or whatever. But they all moved on and ended up being in this in some way, shape, or form. So, Jerry Stiller, who originally originated the role of Wilbur Turnblad, um, he ends up being Mr. Pinky, who runs a plus-size dress shop and becomes like tracy becomes the spokesperson for his dress shop um ricky lake who is the original tracy turnblad from the movie uh plays a talent scout talent scout uh at the corny collins miss teenage hairspray pageant um who else was in this original john waters was in it john waters yeah so he was the director and creator basically of hairspray like we've been talking about and he plays the flasher at the beginning of the movie um, during the song um, Good Morning Baltimore. There's just like 
a really quick scene describing a flasher and <laughs> he like walks on the walks across the little screen and you see him really quick just like flashes some people and then walks away because John Waters is hella weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so those people came back, made their little appearance and then went on their merry way. Uh, the only person who stuck around and had anything from the original that ended up on the soundtrack is Ricky Lake. Um, there's a song in the Broadway show called uh, Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now, which was originally, or in the play, or in the musical on Broadway, and originally in this movie, was meant to be sung by Tracy and Penny and Amber. And they, the three of them all sing to their moms, basically complaining like, I'm a grown woman basically like i'm 16 or whatever i'm like a teen stop babying me like yeah. let me do what i want to do and they decided to cut it from this movie in pre-production and instead they changed it to a song for the credits so if you stick around and listen to the credits which i highly recommend in any musical because there's always cool stuff that didn't make the re the regular production or the regular movie in the credits, they put in Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now, but instead of being sung by um, Tracy and Penny and Amber, it's sung by all three original Tracys. So it's got Nikki Blonsky, who plays Tracy in this movie. It's got Ricky Lake, who played Tracy in the original movie in the 80s. And it's got, oh, what is her name? Marissa, Marissa Jarrett Win Winokur, who played, who originated um, the role of Tracy Turnblad on Broadway. So all three of the originals, and they it's cool because they kind of go back and forth in the song, and they're like fighting each other to see who's the better singer. So it's pretty cool. It's a really cool version of the song. All right. Most of the cast, jokingly called You Can't Stop the Beat, which is the big closing number of the movie, You Can't Stop to Breathe because of its pace and fast-moving lyrics. Queen Latifah said she had no trouble singing a lot of words very quickly because she's a rapper. Like, that's literally what she does what she did for a living for a long time before she got into movies, really into movies. So the rapping part for her, or the fast paced stuff wasn't hard for her, but everyone else was like having a lot of difficulty because of all the dancing that they were doing at the yeah. same time as singing. It, was, it proves to be really, really difficult. Aretha Franklin auditioned for the role of Motormouth Maybell, but lost out to Queen Latifah. And in what world is Aretha Franklin losing out to anyone to play a 1960s VJ if or DJ. If she was on Mass Singer, she would. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But um, no, it, it just makes more sense to go with someone a little bit younger. Because at you, that well, point, yeah, Aretha Franklin was... Well, this was like when 15 years die? ago. A couple years ago. Not that long ago. Okay, so she was still pretty up there. I, I, she was a lot older, yes. Yeah. I prefer... Like, Aretha Franklin has an amazing voice. But I prefer, like, Queen Latifah. Yeah, I think Queen Latifah fucking crushed it. Um, I love her in musicals. She, if you have never seen Queen Latifah in a musical, check her out. Like, go watch Hairspray. Go watch Chicago. Holy crap, she's so good in Chicago. Go watch the NBC, like, live action or live version of The Wiz, because she was really good in that, too. Like, Queen Latifah is fucking great. And if you've only ever heard her rap because you were, you know, alive in the 90s, Go watch any of the three of those because she can fucking sing. Who, she's great. Who is she in The Wiz? She's the wizard. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought she would have been the Wicked Witch. I was like, no, that was Mary J. Bludge. No, okay, she's, she's the wizard. 
Oh, yeah, she's fucking great. Okay, until the Supreme Court's 1967 decision in Loving versus Virginia, interracial marriage was illegal in 17 states, including Maryland. So this movie, which takes place in 1962, Baltimore, Seaweed and Penny's relationship would have been illegal. So that's why it was such a huge deal in the movie, because, yeah, they would have been in a whole lot of trouble in real life. The song Big, Blonde, and Beautiful, the reprise, was added at Michelle Pfeiffer's suggestion to replace a scripted scene, giving her a chance to sing, because the only other time that she sang is Miss Baltimore Crabs, and she didn't feel like that was enough showcase of no, her. She wanted more. reasonable. Yeah. Um, Meryl Streep and Madonna were both considered for the role of Velma Von Tussle, which, which eventually went to Michelle Pfeiffer. Which would have been interesting, I think. I think Meryl Streep was definitely a little too old to play um, Velma Von Tussle in this movie. Um, And I don't know about Madonna. I can't... I mean, she would have been around the right age, but I'm glad that it went to Michelle Pfeiffer, honestly. No, she she did really good. She has a really good villain face. She does. It worked really good. She looked like a a really bad person. Yeah, and she she was. (laughs) All right. uh, Actor Dermot Mulroney plays cello on the soundtrack along with the Hollywood Studio Orchestra. Like, who fucking knew that he could play cello and that he could play cello good enough to be in a fucking movie orchestra? Like, that's ridiculous. Holy shit. That, sorry, that blows me away. To facilitate the filming of the Run and Tell That dance number, the production cut up a 1957 GMC Transit bus. According to the commentary on the DVD, it was cut into six different pieces, the bus wasn't really moving, and it was all filmed on a soundstage. So mm. they had like the thing, re- they had the background reeling while they just danced along this cut-up bus to make it look like they were actually dancing in a bus. Hairspray was directed by Adam Shankman, who also choreographed the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one more time or once more with feeling. It's a good, very good episode. Yeah, and if you are a fan of Buffy, you know that episode. Everyone knows that episode. Even if you aren't a fan of Buffy, if you've ever been to any comic convention ever, they always have like a playing or a showing of Once More with Feeling, and everybody like sings along, and it's a whole experience. So yeah, good on man. Adam Shankman. And if you're still confused at who Adam Shankman is, if you ever watched um, Dancing with the Stars, no. So You Think You Can Dance. If you ever watched So You Think You Can Dance, he was on there a lot. He used to be a judge in the earlier seasons of So You Think You Can Dance. I don't know if he's still on the show now, but he was for a long time. All right. This is the first time a John Waters story made into a movie was not filmed in his hometown of Baltimore, Maryland, but over the border in Toronto, Ontario instead. According to the producer's commentary, the hairspray in the Ultra Clutch cans was actually deodorant. Out of many possibilities, it was the only thing that would catch the light right and show up on camera the way that they wanted it to. Yeah. So if you are watching this movie and are just like, what the fuck, that's so much hairspray that they're putting into the air. Don't freak out. It's just deodorant. Because I did think that this time when we were watching, I was like, god damn, that's a lot of hairspray. But it's just deodorant. All right. And I think that's it. That's all the fun facts I got. So what did you think of the movie, Otis? Uh, It was pretty good. I... Watched the original Hairspray uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I got into John Waters films. They're not for kids. No. <laughs> Pink Flamingos is not a kid's film. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that the original Hairspray is necessarily a kid's film either. I mean, but it's it's not really black comedy or trash comedy like he's usually known for. 
Uh, John John Waters is out there trying his best to make the trashiest films. Oh yeah. But then he made some good ones. Crybaby's not trashy, not like no, the ones okay with Divine. But I really like the original. Uh, Hairspray's amazing. Ricky Lake was great, mm-hmm. and so when this came out back in what two thousand seven. Uh, when this came out, I was a bit grumpy about it, but I know that good movies, good ideas become musicals, and that's like a badge of honor if you have something that people are like, no, this could be an amazing musical. I know there's some poop ones out there, but it's it, sometimes it's cool that things become musicals like that. Do movies make good musicals? Well, they make musicals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, this, this was actually good. Uh... This is probably the first time I sat down and watched it 100% all the way through. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw it in chunks. I have lots of friends that really like it, so I watched mm-hmm. it a ton in chunks. But no, um, no, it was actually pretty good. Uh, probably the most solid casting I can think of for a musical. Oh, yeah. Um, nothing was really out of place. I There's one character I think they could have got someone better. But it's fine. Is it they... Penny Pingleton? No. I love Amanda Bynes. I have a big old crush on her. Um, but no. Um, oh, John Travolta. You don't like John Travolta yeah, in this. Yeah, that was a mess. And his voice. It, it, eh. But I don't know. That's like the only thing that I can really grow up, like groan about. Everybody else was solid. So no, it was a great movie. Uh, my favorite thing about watching this movie with you is your reactions to it as it was going on. Um, right off the bat, like third song in, I think Otis turned to me and said, this musical has a lot more music in it than any of the other musicals that we've watched. And that is true. If you watch, I mean, any movie musical, it is typically, it's a good balance. There is, there's always going to be more music in a musical than there is speaking, but in a lot of movie musicals, they add extra dialogue in in between songs to kind of even it out because they know that not everybody is ready to sit down for three hours of just singing. Um, but this movie really switched that out. They cut down a lot of dialogue, like what could have been dialogue, and switched it out for songs. So this is like song, two sentences, song, two sentences. Well, it works out when it's... When the background of the story is some type of art, it makes it easier to just flow more singing into yeah. it because it's about dancing. Yeah. And usually in musical worlds, if you can dance, you're an amazing singer. Yeah. And honestly, in musicals, everybody has an amazing voice because it's their inside voice. It's their brain voice. And everybody's brain voice is perfect. Yeah. But um, yeah, when when it's dancing or if this was like a band... There's probably going to be a tons more singing in it. But no, it, this, it makes more sense that there would be more singing in this because a lot of people had a lot of shit on their minds. Yeah. So this musical is set up um, a lot more like a traditional musical, very different from, say, Little Shop of Horrors or Blues Brothers, um, where the music, well, not in Little Shop, but in Blues Brothers specifically, the music is kind of more just the background um, and it comes up as it needs to, as it just reg like yeah. as it would in normal conversation, like oh, we're talking about getting the band back together, like let's do a song about it or whatever. And in this one, the plot is very much just like here it is in song form, 
all the way through the movie. Here's everything oh, yeah. you needed to know. And I love that about this musical. Man, it's so good. All right. What, who is your favorite character? Uh, that's pretty tough. Um, usually in musicals, um, you get a main character that's usually like like the straight person of the whole situation. So the madness is happening around them and they're like trying to keep their shit about them. Mm-hmm. Or you get the extra happy person that's just, I'm happy to be here and I want to do the best thing. Or you, you sound like Pinocchio from Shrek right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a couple other archetypes of a main character, but um, I can't remember her name. Tracy. Tracy. I was saying Nikki. Nikki was in my head. Nikki's her, the actress's yeah. name. Yeah, but uh, Tracy, she's actually pretty solid. And I think that just goes back to me liking Ricky Lake. Yeah. As it, um, an amazing character. I love that she wasn't good at history. She didn't like, she would always fall asleep in history. But just inadvertently knew that it's weird that they're not dancing together. Girl, sit down on those bags or stand up. Good Lord. <laughs> Jesus. Just crunching it. But, um... No, I thought it was really cool that she was actually ignorant to the fact that that's how the world works. She's like, yeah. like, why, why can't you guys dance on the show? He's like, well, we only dance on Negro Day. I'm like, but why? I'm like, that's yeah. just how it is. She's because like, because why? She's like, but that's stupid. I'm like, yes, it is exactly. Like, yeah, she has an open mind about everything, and pretty cool. I do like in the original movie, she actually goes to jail. Yeah, and they have a song in jail that she that they do. Yeah, not a song, but a situation. Yeah, but um. No, it, it's it's pretty cool. I I probably had to go with Tracy. Nice. So, if you had asked me this, like, I don't know, a few years ago. Bella, I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> if you had asked me this a few years ago, my answer would have been either Tracy Turnblad or uh, Link Larson. Mm-hmm. Because I love Zac Efron's character in this movie. Um... This movie is actually what made me fall in love with Zac Efron as a person, as an actor. Um, I know a lot of people fell in love with him because of High School Musical, which came out the year before this. But I was kind of too old to be giving a shit about High School Musical when it came out. Um, So this was really the first time I got to see him do anything. And the fact that he could sing was awesome because Boys Who Can Sing is pretty rare um, there's not typically, it's weird because in musicals you get a lot of men, like grown men who can sing, but you don't see a lot of younger men, younger boys who can sing. Like, I mean, now you do, cause there's a lot of musicals that are based around like teens, teenagers, but up to the point of Hairspray, everyone was like a grown adult and it was really cool seeing Zac Efron portray a teenager who could sing and him just giving it his all and singing because that it's fucking cool that he could sing and dance so he was my favorite for a long time but now that i've rewatched it again after a couple of years i'm going with corny collins and james marsden because he is the fucking star of this movie <laughs> like nikki blonsky is the title character yes but James Marsden is the fucking star. He steals the show in every scene that he is in. And they could not have picked a better person to be Corny Collins. Like, his charisma in this movie is fucking great. His dance moves are fucking solid as shit. He's, like, just goofy enough that 
it's like it makes sense that he would be a DJ, like yeah. a, a dance DJ or whatever. But he's also got like he's not down for the segregation thing either. He's a hundred percent into integration. He's like, well, times are changing. Like, let's fucking do it. Let's get to it. And that's really, really cool of a character, especially one who is in such a leadership position, I guess, in the grand scheme of this show and everything. Like, you can't have the Corny Collins show without Corny Collins. And he's like, well, fuck all your dumb bullshit. Like, let's integrate. Let's do it because it's time. Yeah. So I love him. All right. What is your favorite song? Favorite song. This is pretty tough. Um, I, <laughs> uh, one of my old girlfriends, uh, she had, uh, what, You Can't Stop the Beat? That's the last one. She had that as an alarm. And I think it was her ringtone too. And so uh, she overslept a lot. And I heard that song. But it was like, it's the part where... Where the stop happens. Like, you can't stop the motion on the ocean. It's like it's like it's a the very stop. end of it. Yeah, it's like a stop happens. The and clap, that's yeah. and that's the part of the song, and it was just that. Over and, and over. And it was just hit and hit. Uh so for so, a little bit I hated the song. But going back and listening to it, it's a solid song. Everybody gets a piece of time in it. Yeah. And it's really good. And then it just if you didn't really know what the fuck this like movie was about if you listen to that you'd probably get it it. sums up the entire movie like amanda Bynes is like man like you know things are changing things are different i like black dudes and it's like awesome yay they're together and it's just everybody gets a piece and it's like you know the mom's like you know i'm comfortable with myself now i'm not well she probably still is agoraphobic but she's a lot better about going outside and caring about her body it is everybody got a piece of the pie in that song so i really like that song but if I had to go with something else that wasn't Bella, I'm gonna hit you in the throat. <laughs> and she's moving so slow off the bangs. <laughs> Ugh, get out of here. Punch you in the head. Um, if I had to pick another song, um, I like Ladies' Choice a lot. Oh, I love that song. It's a good song. Um, the opening. Um, so I think it's just like kind of a like here's my TED talk on musicals. If you don't have a great opening song, uh, your music can kind of just eat ass, honestly. Yep. And just about all of my favorite musicals, they have great songs like Little Shop of Horrors. It's like what I think it's called Downtown. Downtown, where there's something, something. You're going it's downtown. an amazing opening to it. And Blues Brothers, she caught the Katie. It's the best song to play. And they're just standing there looking at each other and they drive off. Yeah. Um, yeah, Good Morning Baltimore is a solid song. I know I just used three and That's I probably right. used one of yours. That's but right. uh, Good Morning Baltimore is a really good opening to it. Is it is a really good opening. Um, honestly, this whole list is pretty good. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, if, I did, if I didn't have to pick You Can't Stop the Beat, I'd probably go with the opening, Good Morning Baltimore. Good Morning Baltimore. It's a really good opening song. Yeah. Okay, so my favorite song is a two-way tie as well. Um, between You Can't Stop the Beat, because again, like Otis said, everybody gets a piece of the pie in that song. Yeah. Uh, it really is a summary of the entire musical. Yeah, so if you if you just like skip ahead and don't really give a shit about uh, watching this musical, which, how dare you. But if you didn't want to watch this musical and you just wanted to kind of get the gist of what's happening, just listen to You Can't Stop the Beat or look look up the scene on YouTube. 
for You Can't Stop the Beat um, and watch the clip from the movie for that section and you'll understand every single part that is happening throughout the whole movie because they it, it pretty much goes through like, oh, the bigger girl gets her time to shine. Oh, the guy and the bigger girl end up together. The black girl and the white or the black guy and the white girl end up together and the bigger mom is like fuck it i'm happy with my body and the uh whole show gets integrated and you know motormouth mabel gets her time to shine too and every single person in that in that scene like that is important to this plot gets a thing and that doesn't happen in all musicals like no. um a lot of musicals at the end tend to do some type of reprise of their opening number like the end of uh, Rent, which is another really popular movie musical. Eight, 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 eight. Yes, that one. Uh, <laughs> the end of that one is a reprise of um, Seasons of Love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that in a bit. Yeah. So they play Seasons of Love at the beginning, and it's this beautiful, like, love everyone song. It comes, it happens again in the middle of the movie. Um, at kind of a sad point, there's like a really sad uh, minor chord version um, of Seasons of Love. And then at the end, it's, you know, happy again because that's the end of it. A lot of musicals tend to do that with their closing number. They tend to reprise some shit that happened in the beginning. Thank you. I was, uh, keep going, but I was going to bring that up because this one's weird because they don't really have a reprisal song like that. Well, yeah. Well, what they you know? would, what they would have done or... Yeah, I guess probably what they would have done is like a good good night Baltimore or good evening Baltimore yeah. or something like that. Which I mean, this song could have been that because it would have been like good evening Baltimore, like we're fucking integrated now. Get over yeah. it. Um, but this song really culminates everything that was going on in the musical and gets it's fucking great. So that's my first one. You can't stop the beat for all the reasons Otis said. Mm-hmm. And the other one Uh let me guess. Um what I can hear the bells? No. Uh I Know Where I've Been? Yeah, very nice. (laughs) So the song I Know Where I've Been from this musical is fucking great. Like, every time I watch this musical, uh, that's the only song in this musical that makes me cry. It is heartbreaking to know that that's something that people had to go through. Mm -hmm. I'm like starting to tear up right now thinking about it. But... It's awful to think that that's, you know, what used to happen and what had to happen. So, sorry, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, the song I Know Where I've Been is um, sung by Queen Latifah's character, uh, Motormouth Maybell. And there's this big protest, basically, of trying to force integration or fight segregation, I guess. Yeah, that's like, they're using a show like the first step to making... Baltimore better. Yes. Yeah. So they're trying to integrate the Corny Collins show. They're trying to end the segregation that is Negro Day and normal nicest kids in town day. And um, to do that, they form this big giant protest. Basically, all of the black characters in the movie plus hundreds and hundreds of extras. This The protest is huge. Oh, yeah. Um, but the only way that they could make it like groundbreaking or you know make the news really pay attention was if they had someone white fighting with them so tracy takes it upon herself and of course decides 
to do this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. She goes and protests with them and she stands on the front lines right next to Queen Latifah's character. Um, and Queen Latifah sings this beautiful ballad um, called I Know Where I've Been talking about all of the things that um, African Americans have had to go through to get to the point where they were and how much farther they have to go to get to where is right basically so they talk you know she's kind of talking all the way back to slavery days and into this future that they're hoping for where segregation is no longer a thing and everyone is equal and basically who gives a fuck what color your skin is and not only are the lyrics beautiful and her portrayal or her delivery of the lyrics beautiful but there is a gorgeous like gospel choir behind her oh, yeah. singing and it is like it's heartbreaking and gorgeous and i love that fucking song it's so good okay i have to stop talking about that song because i'm like starting to cry okay least favorite character uh, john travolta <laughs> they could have did better it's just i think it's just the voice and the singing john travolta can sing and he's, he's not like a baritone I'd probably what a tenor too he's a tenor yeah like he could have done better with the voice, but it's but it's all like this, Tracy, and and I gotta sing like this. Oh, Tracy, oh, I haven't been outside in years, there. and and he sings like that. And I'm like, I know you can sing, fucking thought, Danny. Fuck you. I thought it was weird that he tried to put like a uh, like a southern-ish accent yeah, on her. I, it, that's but the, they're in Baltimore. Yeah, like, th- that's the, she, that was the if big anything, she would have had more of a. He would have had more. She would have had more of like a Baltimore or not a Baltimore, a like Boston type accent yeah. happening, like more that East Coast, like. <laughs> yeah, but that's my biggest problem. Kind of like how you were griping on, um, on Audrey, and how her voice kind of was just. Oh, I hate. Her there were voice. points where she could sing and she was singing, but then there are points where she's trying to sing like she talks, and it was like, yeah. just sing. Yeah, just do it. And like uh, the same thing with him, and and I want to say his voice isn't crazy manly. Yeah. Out of a lot of like lead singers, like Hugh Jackman, I couldn't see Hugh Jackman singing like a woman, you know, because he's got a broad kind of voice. I know people are good at changing how they sound and stuff, but when I think of Hugh Jackman singing, I think of what Hello Dolly. Yeah. He's like, oh, what a wonderful feeling, you know, all that kind of shit. Or, yeah, we should. We need to watch Greatest Showman. Yeah. That'll change. And Les Mis, honestly, he is a fucking great singer. Yeah. Now, when I think of <laughs> Hugh Jackman when he's doing musicals, I think of puppet Hugh Jackman yeah. as Wolverine. Oi, bub. Yeah. Oi, I'm Wolverine. You, you may know me from such films as The, the Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> Kate Leopold, Les Mis a Rob. <laughs> oh, man. If you have not seen this, it's uh, Glove and Boots on YouTube. Uh, they made this collection of Hugh Jackman musicals. musicals but it's, they it's like Hugh Jackman the musical or Wolverine the musical yeah, or something but like they, that but they mix X-Men fun facts but just with all the mu- musicals that Hugh Jackman has done it's fucking it's great hilarious they have a song from Chicago yeah, uh, Had so It Coming yeah and it's like other X-Men pop up and then yes. Spider-Man's in there it's really good it's fucking funny definitely yeah. watch it sorry that's a big like leap away from where we at yeah. where we're at but yeah I want that puppet. I want that Wolverine puppet so bad. Yeah, it's a pretty great puppet. <laughs> but uh, what were we saying? Oh, just the voice of John Travolta. Just that was my biggest gripe. Like, cause I know he can sing and he doesn't have deep voice. He could have did something. I don't know better. 
Yeah. They seem to like it because they didn't change it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Better in my eyes. That's my TED Talk. Okay. So my least favorite character um, in the movie is Velma Von Tussle because she's just a fucking... Like, but she's great at what she does. No, I, she is She is good. Yeah. I, this character yeah. is Velma Von Tussle. I don't like her character because she's a bitch. But yeah. the end... Uh, I think Michelle Pfeiffer did a great job, and she could sing. She did the whole thing. She's got a good resting bitch face. Like she pulled it off really, really well. But I don't like the character of Velma Von Tussle yeah, just as a whole. Usually with these villains. picks, when uh, you're like, "Who's your least favorite character?" I avoid the main the villain. villain. Yes, well, only I have if they do one. their job right. I'm like, they're doing that. They're supposed no, to not like them. I have another no. one. So my least favorite casting choice is actually Amanda Bynes as Penny Pingleton. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I can't tell you if I like or dislike the character of Penny Pingleton because this is, besides the old movie that was not a musical, this is the only version of Hairspray I've ever seen. I have not, unfortunately, I have not had the chance to see this like on the stage um, because I just keep missing it every time someone close to me does it. And I think that they should have chosen someone else who can actually sing to be Penny Pingleton. I understand that the character of Penny doesn't do very much singing in this, at least in this version. Um, But I think that that was kind of curbed because Amanda Bynes is not a known singer. And I don't think she, I think that the choices she made, like I've listened to the soundtrack probably 150 times, like start to finish, like a lot. And every time I listen to it, the only part of the musical that, like, bugs the fuck out of me is Penny's lines. Like, just the inflection that she does. And some of it, she's, like, talk singing because she can't or she is not a great singer. And I just, like, of all the choices that you could have made, of all the people you could have put in this, why pick Amanda Bynes? See, I think the pick they did, because Amanda Bynes was great. She's a good, like, supporting character she's funny yes and so i i get pictured that they wanted her in this to be the com- comedic relief but the problem is hairspray is full of a lot of funny people queen yeah. latif is hilarious when yeah. she wants to be so is zach Efron. yeah everybody in it was funny so yeah. she christopher just, walken john travolta yeah. everybody so she was just kind of there because yeah. there were funnier older people that can do way yeah. better jokes than her that's a problem but she like i said i have a big old crush on amanda Bynes. i know she she no, looks kind of real no, yeah, and that's fine. But... Like, I just don't understand the selection of Amanda. Bynes, I think she was I guess. just hot then. And yes, so but she I, got but there were but okay, but this was two thousand seven. Like they chose Zac Efron because of his work in High School Musical. Do yeah. you know how many fucking teen singers are in High School Musical that they could have chosen to be like Amanda Bynes' character? True. Fuck Ariana Grande, who played it in the live action version. Could have been her because she was on Sam and not Sam and Cat Victorious in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Like she could have been this character. Wasn't she in Sam and Cat also? Yes, but that was after. But like around this time, Victorious was just starting. Like it could have been her. True. I maybe... I just don't understand why they didn't choose someone. Because seriously, in two thousand seven, every single kid that was on Nickelodeon and Disney could fucking sing. Yeah. Except clearly Amanda Bynes. Why did you choose Amanda Bynes? You know, sometimes people get parts because directors owe somebody. And they're like, hey, man, like, I did that shit for you. My agent, like, yeah. Amanda, you got to get Amanda in this movie. Like, fuck, okay. 
she'll be Penny. Well, I mean, she quit acting like a couple of years after this, yeah. right after Easy A. So yeah, so it it could be just a situation where you know they had to get her in there. Like I said, it was great to see her. It's just she wasn't the best singer, and I didn't like at the end her dress that she had looked amazing, but she couldn't dance in it, and she had like heels. And she maybe tripped she, over her heels. Maybe she's not the best dancer, but I'm like, don't put her in a situation where she has this like dress so, where she can't like kick so that, her feet that much. So that dress is actually made of the curtains from her room. <laughs> um, and it's supposed to be like that. I know. It's just, <laughs> it's cool that they did that. It's just, it looked like she was having. But see, I don't. Dancing. But I don't think. I think that was also intentional because Penny in the in the thing is not a known dancer. Like, True. dancing is not what she does. Dancing is Tracy's thing, and that's why Tracy tried out for the Corny Collins show. Penny was just there to support her friend. She was never looking to be on the show. She was just kind of there. And then she ends up with Seaweed, who's a great dancer, and kind of has to dance because of that. But I don't think Penny is ever meant to be, like, a really good dancer. So I think True. that's kind of purposeful. Like, her not being a great dancer at the end is kind of the point, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Okay, what's your least favorite song? Uh, that's fucking Do you sucks. have one? Uh, uh, which one is it? Uh, I like Welcome to the 60s, but I think I that's... That song. Isn't that one of the big ones that John Travolta sings in? Though I like the one, You're does, Timeless to Me. I like so that one. So he does sing that in that song, but he doesn't that's sing until the end. Okay. So Tracy sings most of that song, and then at the end... She's like, what does he say? He said, your mama's hip, hip mama. Your mama's, your mama's looking at herself and wondering where you been. Like, he sings like the very end of that song yeah. for like a second. It's um, not very much. Honestly, just her voice. So I like your timeless to me, but just uh, it, it, whatever song has the most of her voice. That's my least favorite song. The most of John Travolta's voice. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> that would be your timeless to me. That's a shame. I like that song. Well, then like that song. Don't don't hate it because of his voice. Because okay, a few years ago, I would have said your timeless to me is my least favorite song because I don't really like Christopher Walken's singing voice because it's just his talking voice. Like, yeah, Christopher Walken can't, he can't help sing. that. That's just how he's been. He for can't decades. sing. And if you want proof that he can't sing. Uh, make yourself suffer through that live action Peter Pan he did a few years ago. Um, <laughs> but so I don't really like Christopher Walken's voice in that song because he's just talking. And I what, didn't used to be a huge fan. I mean, I'm still not really a huge fan of John Travolta's voice in this movie. So that song was just kind of meh to me. But I really like the message of that song. Yeah, that's what I like. And they're really cute together. Yeah. Like, as weird as it is, seeing John Travolta and Christopher Walken, like, dance together and be in love is fucking adorable. That's what I'm saying. I like everything about the <laughs> song. And the, the lyrics song. of that song are fucking great. Yeah, it's just the voice. That's the only part that I don't like about it. It's fair. Okay, so my least favorite song is The Legend of Miss Baltimore Crabs. Because Is that the the tango one? Yes. That's the one that uh Velma von Tussle sings. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh talking about her time as being fucking the head person in charge basically. I, I feel being you a on pageant that. winner. And I okay, again, I will repeat. I really liked Michelle Pfeiffer's delivery. She did really well and she has a really great voice. Surprisingly, like I was shocked 
at how well she sang and all this stuff. Like, she does really good. But that song is ridiculous. Like, the whole thing is just like, you know, I I won Miss Baltimore Crabs and all the other girls thought that they were going to do good, but there's no way they would have won because I actually fucked the judges and that's how I won. Yeah. And she's <laughs> basically bragging about being a hoe and cheating. And it's just like, fucking why? <laughs> hey, people so, got to win. So that song does a really good job at making you hate Velma Von Tussle. And, and throughout it, she's also just like shitting on all the new girls that are trying to be in the show. And she's making Amber also shit on the girls. And it's like Link starting to see that Amber is a piece of shit. And this whole, that whole song is just like, it does a lot for the storyline. To oh, like for sure. push the, who's the villain and all the things that they're doing wrong. Um but yeah, I don't like that song at all. <laughs> I will say, though, the thing I do like a lot about this version of Hairspray, as opposed to the old version of Hairspray, um, this one doesn't have, like, any serious crimes in it. So this one, Velma um, Von Tussle is, like, a producer at the TV station, and she's just kind of trying to push her, like, segregation is right idea on everyone. And it's shitty, but eventually she gets foiled and, you know, happy days. In the other movie, her and her husband, like, straight up try to fucking bring a bomb into yeah. the movie studio <laughs> and blow up everybody for trying to integrate the, the, integrate the Corny Collins show. Yeah. And it is a whole, like, she fucking has a giant beehive, like, wig on with a bomb, like, in it. It is a whole, it is a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so... Pro to this movie, kind of con to the other one. It's funny in the other one. It's really funny, but I like this ending much better than the oh, other yeah. one. All right, do you have any memories associated with this one, aside from that alarm being? No, that was kind of it. <laughs> that was it. Okay, so I have a lot of memories of I this bet movie. you do. Because <laughs> I watch it all the time. I went and saw this movie in theaters because uh, someone told me, I don't remember who told me to, but... Someone told me to go watch it, and I loved it because fucking Hairspray. And after seeing it in theaters, after it came out on DVD, um, I met my friend Regina, who is one of my best friends, but we met the year uh, this movie came out, when she started college and became friends. And yeah, we like instantly bonded over our love of musicals, and we sat and watched this movie over like a all the time just <laughs> constantly we love this movie and if you know us at all if you've met us before um or even if you don't know us if you listen to this at all you would know that we just like sing all the time to each other like <laughs> we if you put something on that has music in it we will sing along to mm-hmm. it we will add harmonies to it we yep. will do some dumb shit um, cause that's who we are and this musical is no different. So we've gotten to a point in many movie musicals now where we can switch parts. Like you pick a character and I'll pick a character and we'll sing those lines and that's where we'll be. And it's very much the same in this. <laughs> we go back and forth and pick characters and I love watching this movie with Regina because we always get to a point in Welcome to the 60s where the Dynamites, who are the Greek chorus in this film, um 
are singing. Uh, they work at Mr. Pinky's. They're like doing, adding all the background vocals into that song because it's really just Nikki Blonsky and the three of them singing this entire song. And there's a part at the end that just turns into this like weird uh, solo part uh, that the Dynamites are just kind of like not scatting, but just like improvising on. Yeah, like a solo line. Like a solo improv line. Um, and one of the girls just makes this ridiculous, like, yeah, 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 like over and over again. <laughs> she does it like four times and then it's fucking ridiculous. And me and Regina like bust up every time. Regina does it really, really well. And <laughs> she just, we just overemphasize all of the dumb shit in this musical and make each other laugh. And I love it. And I miss you, Regina. Like, let's fucking hang out somehow. Let's Netflix party and chill or whatever so yeah i that's my memories of this movie all the time <laughs> all right um i don't really again because i've never seen this move this on stage so i can't compare it to the stage play i can only compare it to the old movie um but there are some differences of course there's music in this one mm -hmm. like sung music as opposed to just background music as in the other one um but yeah i love this version what are your seven words to describe this movie? Your seven word synopsis. Kids dance racism out of Baltimore. Yay. That's fantastic. I love that. Is that all you got? Just one? Yeah, just one. Okay. I've got integration is the new frontier in Baltimore, which is kind of a play on what uh, Tracy says. So during her dance interview, um, Velma Von Tussle asks, would you swim in an integrated pool? And Tracy says, I sure would. I'm all for integration. It's the new frontier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Velma Montessa's like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out. <laughs> like, we don't want integration here. And, you know, just showing how shitty she is. And then my other one, uh, Zac Efron falls for the big girl. Because he does. And, again, that's another reason that I fell in love with Zac Efron from this movie. Because how often do you ever get to see the, like, super hot guy from a movie fall in love with the bigger girl mm -hmm. like that doesn't happen in movies that's barely happening in movies now and this is this was fucking 13 years ago like there's like two films on netflix where the bigger girl gets ends up with the hot guy and everything else is like oh he always chooses the little skinny cheerleader girl <laughs> so this was definitely like hell yeah hot guy ends up with the big girl that's what it, that's where it's at and then i have one that's eight uh because I couldn't, there's no way to cut it down. So the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. That's a good one. Yeah, because that's like, <laughs> that's, I love that line in Run and Tell That. It's such a good fucking scene. <laughs> All right, do you have anything else to add about Hairspray the Musical? Um, oh, we didn't do the um, uh, budget, how much it was. Oh, yeah. Okay, so how much do you think the budget for this film was? Oh, I had a fuck ton of famous people. Uh, I'm going to go 55. Not bad. 75 million. Jesus. <laughs> because it had like every famous person under the sun in it and also period costumes for hundreds of people. That's true. Plus uh, choreography for everything. And yeah, <laughs> so it had a lot. So 75 million was the budget for this film. What do you think the box office was? I have both domestic and worldwide because they're a little bit different. So, uh, I'm gonna say 
350 million. 350 million. That is a lot. <laughs> this way more than it actually made. Damn it. Uh, so it ended up making its money back. Um, for a musical, it did really, really well. Musicals do not do super great, typically, or at least by 2007, they still weren't doing super duper good um, in theaters. You know, they weren't billion dollar productions like, yeah. you know, Avengers or whatever. Um, but for a regular movie, like, they did really, really well. So this movie domestically made $118.8 million, Okay. Which is quite a bit. They made uh, about $50 million over their budget. So really, really good. And then domestically, or sorry, that was domestically. Worldwide, they did $203 million total. Okay. So Yeah. So, so probably they, almost three times. Almost, I was thinking five times. Yeah, so they almost tripled uh, their initial budget or their budget for this film um, in their numbers worldwide. Uh, it did, didn't do as well outside of the United States, but still did good enough. Like, it almost gathered uh, $100 million outside of the United States. So okay. It was pretty good. Okay. Movies about segregation don't tend to do very well overseas. Um, just because America's, like, view on everything and the way that America acted... And the way that we dealt with it was very different from the way a lot of other countries dealt with it. So yeah. it's, this movie um, is kind of isolated. Also, America in the 60s was not the same as everywhere else in the 60s. So this movie is not as broad of a reach or didn't really have as broad of a reach in 2007 as it does, as it would have. Like something like Rent, where it's just like, okay, a bunch of young people like struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. All right, that's pretty normal. Everybody's dealing with that all over the world. But this one was very much like, all right, we're in 1960s America. There's segregation happening, and we're going to fix it with American dance, like, classics. So so this was very, like, period, and yeah. So it didn't do as well outside of the United States as it did here in the U.S. Okay, gotcha. But yeah. All right, well, I would suggest that everyone go watch this movie if you haven't already. And even if you have seen it already, go watch it again because it's fucking great. And we know you got the time on your hands because what else are you doing? It's on Netflix. It's two hours long. You can watch it with kids and it's fucking great. Get those kids' energy out. Make them dance along. Try and have them mimic what they're doing in the dances because these 60s dances are much less complicated than some of the dance moves that are current, um, but still take a lot of coordination. So if you can find a video on and figure out how to do it, like pull up a how-to video on YouTube and have your kids figure it out and then they can dance along with the musical or whatever. You know, fun ways, fun things to do while your kids are trapped in the house and to stop you from going crazy. <laughs> Okay, so as always, you can tweet at us at Allentown Pod on Twitter. You can email us your questions, comments, and concerns at allentownpresents at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We are uh, Allentown Presents on Facebook. You can also find us anywhere podcasts are found. And don't forget to like and share and follow our network so you can check out all of our newest episodes and stuff. And don't forget to share with your friends so that they can hear us too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. See you next time. Uh, I think our next musical up is going to be The Producers. Yeah. With uh, starring Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. So, 
that's going to be a good one. All right. Talk to you guys later. Love you. Bye. Okay. See you guys.